building contract is quite an involved document. It includes everything from timeframes, payments required, materials used to build, appliances, tiles, driveways, landscaping, floor plans, fence lines, plumbing, lighting plans, the list goes on. Matthew Phillips is here again today to explain the do's and don'ts of signing a building contract. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langida. Matthew Phillips, Managing Director of Patterson Homes, has the eye for detail, the commitment to customers and the passion to build. He's seen plenty of building contracts in his time and he knows what works and what should be questioned. With 26 years of experience in the building industry, Matthew is here to tell us how to get it right. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for coming in again. Yeah. So what is a building contract? A building contract is essentially a contract between the purchaser and the builder and will stipulate all the, um, I suppose, project specifications, um, the payment clauses, payment claims, uh, basically sets out everything between the builder and, and the client. Yeah. Yeah. So what should we be looking for in that building contract? Well, I think the most important thing is you don't particularly want to be pulling out the building contract any time as you build. Yeah. It's really sitting there in the background and effectively it should be something. It should be a document that both the builder understands uh, what they're going to be building mm-hmm. and also the homeowner or the, the client understands what they're getting. Uh, so I think the most important thing is that you've got a full understanding of what it includes. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, effectively, you shouldn't be pulling one of these contracts out. But um, Getting getting it right at yeah, the beginning yeah, is, what, is what you mean by that. 100%. Yeah. What are some of the red flags we should be looking for when seeing a building contract for the first time? So I, I think the, the important thing is that you want to ensure that, that it includes everything. Uh, so... Uh, you know, when you're reading through the building contract, you can you can see the type of um, plumbing fixtures and fittings. Uh, you can see what type of flooring it is. It's all detailed. I guess what you, you don't want to see is you, you as you're building is that the builder comes up and, and sort of says, well, this is a particular this is a variation because it wasn't included. So you'd really want to be set out well and ensure that um, you know every, everything's within it in that contract. Yeah. What what are, what are the sticking points that you see often like? over the years you've had like where's the um, debates come in over over things where what are, what are the main sort of ones that you've seen over the years that are probably one of the things that the people should be aware of is what's excluded yeah. out of the contract so you want to have a good look through that to ensure that you understand what's excluded yeah. uh, some some of the probably areas that is come that we've found over the years is uh, qu- uh, concrete quantities yes so when it comes to uh, townhouses or, or, or even house sites um, it's very hard to determine uh, what's under the ground so when you're digging the foundations mm-hmm. and going by the soil report it's not necessarily on what's on the soil report could be what's on site because we, yeah. we, we all understand that we don't really know what's exactly under there until, until we start digging. Mm-hmm. So to, to ensure that um, we've got the correct concrete quantities on site um, is probably one of the, one of the important things. So some of the builders will put a low quantity 
of concrete on, on, mm. within a building contract. Like and the minimum that they expect it yeah, to be. Yeah, the minimum that they expected it will be, and then they'll charge the, the client a variation um, over and above that because once the, they get the concrete quantities. So yeah. the soil might have a low amount of clay in it, for instance, mm. or it might have way too much sand in it, and therefore they need to adjust those concrete quantities Based on yeah, so, so generally when they do a soil report, they'll only um, do three boreholes across the site, which gives, it's not a true indication of exactly what, what yeah. will happen. So, you know, they might do one in the back corner, they might do two around where the existing home is and, yeah. and where the new dwellings are going to be built. And they'll, they'll uh, do boreholes to work out what the type of soil it is and, yeah. and, and, and where those um, foundation points are. Mm. Uh, so when you go to dig the foundations it not might not necessarily be what's as the soil report so you might have to dig a little bit further yeah so i think a client or a, or a homeowner just needs to be aware that they might need to work with the builder mm. and meet out on site to ensure that um you know they're, they're digging the foundations so would you suggest say like having a 10 to 20 percent buffer or something in your costs um, yeah, I, I think I think so. So a client probably should have some provision in there for for a little bit of um, you know variation just in case. Mm. Yeah, there was a house I did in Ormond once where they told me there was a bunker in the backyard. Mm. There was an old car in that bunker. There was a couple of little air holes or pipes coming in out of the ground, which they asked you know, the previous owners, you know, what's what are those pipes? And they said, oh, there's actually a bunker like. For, right. for mm. a bomb shelter kind of thing right. and they'd put a car in it and it's like well if you ever want to dig it up they basically say you can't put a pool in the backyard because there's this bunker mm. <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. yeah so if those, there those is, three there points is the odd thing that does come up <laughs> that's right yeah. And, yeah. And, a, and a lot of the time uh, especially when you're building existing areas yeah is that those areas had the old septic tank yes and uh, w- when they redid all the sewer lines and put them at the back of the property majority of the time those septic tanks remained in the ground. They just left them. Yeah. And, they le- and they left them there. So mm. we quite often come up against that is that uh, when we're building uh, the property and especially digging the back foundations, we might come mm. across the septic tank and, and sometimes it might need to be re-engineered or yeah. a bit of bulk concrete go in that particular area. So yeah, yeah homeowners just need to be aware that um, there could be um, you know a little bit of variation to, to suit, suit yeah. the requirements. Hitting rock's a big one. Is How common is the, that? Depends on the area. We we build a lot of properties in the beachside area, which is mainly in the sandy sandy yeah. sort of area. However, so, so in saying that, we, we used there. to build a lot out in Gisborne and Sunbury, and uh, we used to hit rock numerous times over there. So you know, we'd come across areas where we'd dig the foundations of the property, and you know, seventy percent of it would be you know all pretty good, and then you'd hit this one area where it'd be a, a rock the size of a car yeah. that you'd have to blow through to to get into some sort of and that can really blow out costs, which is unfortunately right in the beginning of a build, which mm. which is hundred percent. And, and clients don't it, particularly like spending costs, you know, as you can imagine, in the ground where they're not getting anything out of it. Yeah. yeah. But in saying that, though, the foundations is the most important oh, part definitely. of the part of the property. But just yeah, imagine so. if that rock had a bit of gold in it or something. <laughs> Well, out that way, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Okay, so what sort of building accreditations should we be looking for when we appoint a builder? Well, I think the first thing is you need to ensure that they're licensed 
to, to build the, the properties that they, they're going to build. So you yeah. can check that on the VBA website, mm. Victorian Building Authority. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important too that they're a part of a housing association, yeah. one being the Master Build Association or the um, Housing Industry Association of yeah. Victoria. Two of those, at least one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just check the referrals of the builder. You know, ask for a number of... Um, different uh, referrals from clients, yeah. um, e- even ageing back five, ten years, mm. um, to you know, see the test of time and on how that, that building was built. Yeah. In terms of paying your builder, w- when are payments required and, and is there a standard way that you make the payments and that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah so there's, uh, under the Domestic Building Contracts Act, there's um, six standard payments that are, that are made throughout the process. Uh, being the deposit stage, frame stage, base stage, lockup stage, fixing stage, and final stage, and they're all a percentage of the contract value. Uh, so an example would be the first first stage is five percent. So that's before anything happens. Before uh, one payment goes to the builder to kick things yeah, off. Yeah. So when you've signed the, the contract with the builder and the builder has taken out the homeowner's warranty insurance, uh, the deposit is paid to the builder and uh, that's initially for them to to get everything prepared, get a building permit um, and prepare everything on site, uh, ready to construct. Um, okay, fair enough. And then a, a, as the builder then progresses through the, the project um, and hits each of the stages, then, then they invoice progress claims accordingly. Do, do you as a builder at any point end up out of pocket to keep things going? <laughs> Funny you should say that because we, uh, we've always kept to uh, the contract. Um, there is a provision in, in most contracts to change it. Uh, effectively, you're taking away the, the domestic, uh, the, the, the Building Act requirement, and the client has to sign, um, sign that off. So the builder then can claim uh, different stages and different payments as they, as they go along. Uh, for, for us, we only claim under under the Building Act, uh, so we claim as per what the percentages state. Uh, so when it comes to um, lock-up stage, generally we're out of pocket and a fair amount of money until that, that payment's... Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah, that, 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 that typically is how it goes for most people. Correct, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so what happens if somebody misses a payment? Do you actually stop the building process? Uh, we'll generally continue on because the difficulty with building is that you've you've got to do things in, in a sequence mm-hmm. and you've got to organise trades and supplies well in advance. So yeah. once you stop a building project, it's very it's it's difficult to get it back the within that sequence back. and the, and the momentum back. So mm-hmm. we try to avoid it. Uh, we'll generally, if the client hasn't paid within the the payment terms, which is generally seven to ten days thereafter the claim's been yeah. been issued. Uh, We'll give the client a call and find out what's going on. Yeah. Um, most times, it's it's to do with the finance being held up, yeah. or being released, or a valuer needs to go out to the property to yeah. to, to, to check on that particular stage of yeah. works. But uh, if we can avoid it, we'll, we'll do so. It's it's pretty uncommon to stop a building project yeah. because of that. Yeah. If anything, it might be a little bit more common because the the client hasn't made decisions along the way yeah. for certain specifications that they were supposed to choose or variations that they haven't signed off on. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, you mentioned warrant, homeowner's warranty insurance, mm-hmm. was it? Yeah. 
Can you just explain that a little bit? Okay. Yes, yeah, so homeowners warranty insurance uh, was put in place by the Victorian government a number of years ago. There's a number of different insurers out there that uh, that, that provide homeowners warranty insurance. Um, it's effectively insurance uh, for the for the for the client yep. in case the builder goes uh, bankrupt, uh, missing, or goes into liquidation. Uh, the the insurance uh, covers the remainder of the the, the building. And that's that's an essential piece that now has to be in place. Yeah, it's before it's, your start, it's a requ- it's a requirement yeah. before the builder can actually ask for the deposit. Yeah, and uh, it, it it must be in place before. Um, well, in fact, it's one of the items that gets picked up uh, for for a building permit. So, so once you apply for a building permit through an independent building surveyor, uh, they will ask for the homeowner's warranty insurance certificate to be to be provided. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. So, what energy efficiency or star ratings are, should we be expecting in our new homes these days? Yeah, so that's changed uh, over the years. Uh, the Victorian government brought in a number of years ago that it, the places had to be five-star energy efficient. Yeah. That's now changed to six-star energy efficient. However, uh, now under townhouses and multi-unit developments, that's even gone further. It's nearly up to seven stars, yeah. uh, or with an average of mm. 6.5 overall. Uh, so uh, there's a number of uh, things that can make up your energy efficient home, being yeah. insulation, double glazing to the windows, yeah. um, uh, the ceiling of all the windows and the gaps around. Uh, the, one of the requirements is that you, a, a part of that, you need to either have a water tank or sole hot water service, mm-hmm. generally one or the other. But sometimes uh, councils can stipulate that they want that a part of the town planning permit. Yeah. Both of them. So Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's becoming mainstream now, I've noticed, yeah. when we're photographing homes. The actual solar panels, like, they're not an actual requirement for electricity? No, solar, no. solar, solar panels isn't a requirement, but however, uh, you know, the cost of living these days and, you know, the exorbitant costs of power bills, as we all know, is, is definitely making people a decision to, to put these things on the roof, so... Yeah, definitely. Because, mm. see, I see the energy-efficient thing is if you make your design more energy-efficient, you don't need half the things that they're talking about. So, for instance, they may say, oh, I've got an energy-efficient split system, you know, air conditioner. But mm. if your house is actually quite energy-efficient and built in its, structure. in its structure, then you don't really need the air conditioner on or the heating on mm. or whatever else on because you're not using the electricity. Mm. If you have eaves. If you have eaves. There's, there's, there's no doubt about it. The energy efficiency definitely increased the cost of construction overall oh, yeah. Yeah. over a number of years. However, in saying that, though, I think it's definitely been beneficial. Uh, being a builder, you're a little bit reluctant to bring these things in because yeah. it, it costs more to the client, yeah. and uh, then you're uh, competitive then with other builders. However, okay. in saying that, though, there's there's no doubt about that. When when we look at now. You know, six and a half star homes, and 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 what's involved in them with yeah. with all the the bats and double glazing is definitely it's beneficial. Yeah. Um, the way we live, mm. uh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So I guess one, one, of, one of the things there. that I sort of have always had a bit of a thing about is the water tanks, though. That yeah. you know, we've got a two thousand litre water tank that's supposedly supposed to be used for the garden or or, or the toilet. Yeah. And uh, you know, living in Melbourne, it's it's either one or the other. It's either where this thing's completely full, or in the middle of summer, it's just using main, yeah. mains water all the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. how effective that is, um, it's a little bit un, yeah. unsure, but. Um, but, but the overall event, energy efficiency, the, the, what's required is yeah. is great. Yeah. 
Um, chicken, chicken or the egg with water tanks too, because is. they're most useful in drought, but that's when you get no rainfall. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have any water in um, any Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe in California, though, double glazing is standard issue windows now, mm. where single glazed windows is custom ordered. Mm. So it would be yeah. good if we got to that stage. Yeah, 100%. And, yeah. and in fact, um, one of the requirements through the energy efficiency is because they use a, a program to work out um, how efficient the home is and what star rating it is, yeah. is uh, one of the things is that they'll stipulate some of the windows that are single glazed and some of them are double glazed. Yeah. My opinion is that you just make them all double glazed. Yeah. Um, and that would, uh, you know, be definitely more efficient. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you can't just have some working for you and others because it's just going to fill through the house, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yes. What type of inclusions would you consider, you know, standard? Uh, standard inclusions these days, and, and this has changed definitely over the years, it used to be laminate to, you know, the kitchen bench tops and, and vanities in the bathrooms and en-suites. Uh, I think standard these days across the board, and it doesn't matter the size of the builder or if they're a low-cost builder or, a, you know, a premium builder, that you know, sees a stone or some sort of reconstitution stone. Uh, I think that's standard, you know, these days. Typically, would you expect, in terms of materials, would you expect appliances to be part of standard inclusions for instance oh for sure yeah 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 or is that that's normally a standard like you have that in a building contract that kind of thing yeah yeah you definitely yeah. have appliances uh, sometimes uh, i mean uh, the, the custom builds that we build sometimes the client uh, will provide appliances yeah and uh, we'll take the cutouts and have it all prepared and then they'll provide them at the end of construction and, and we'll install them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, all that would be included. Okay. Yeah. I, I might run through a couple of others. Mm. Um, tiles and that kind of thing, where does that normally Sorry. sit for all your kitchens and bathrooms? Yeah, all the tiling would be included. However, one of the things these days is that people like uh, full-height tiling in their bathrooms and en-suites. Mm. Uh, some builders won't provide that, but yeah. um, you know that's something that's definitely becoming more popular these days. So if you want the full-height tiling, you'd probably have to consider, you know, add a little mo- bit more expense into your yeah, contract. For sure. Yeah, uh, Driveways and landscaping, that's often a Often one that's either in or out mm. on, on a builder's contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably one that's a little bit up to up to, for debate. Uh, the driveway definitely generally is included these days. However, yep. landscaping could be excluded, or there could be a, an allowance under the contract for landscaping. Uh, so, when, when we say a provisional sum allowance, it means uh, an allowance under the contract that's that's allocated for landscaping and the builder would have to get three quotes or a couple of quotes for the client and the client then can make a decision on, on who they go go with. And yeah. with yeah. and with landscaping, landscaping um, councils sometimes put their little two bobs in, don't mm. they, and say you must have native plants. Oh, yeah, they? 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. so when you're going for a town planning permit, uh, one of the requirements is that you will require a landscaping plan and that's generally right near the beginning of, of the stage yeah. before you even get the permit. Um, or it could be a condition on the permit to, to provide that. So, yeah, that'll have to be... And it goes be, down to, like, naming the yeah, types of trees. Yeah, and so you'd have to get a landscape architect involved. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they would provide the complete layout, naming of all the trees, uh, the coverings, everything. Uh, yeah, wow. yeah, right down. And that has to be... Um, that has to be performed as as per that, or else yeah. you're, you're outside the conditions of the permit. Yeah, it's amazing anything. how many houses you... If you buy... N- not necessarily off the plan, but you you buy at that stage, and 
and people are going, oh, the council told me to put these plants in and then they're ripping them all out and putting their, like, standard roses or hedges mm. or, or you know, agaves or whatever they're putting in. Because mm. um, once once the purchaser's bought a house, mm. the council doesn't have a say anymore. You can just do whatever you want. Mm. Yeah. They have to do this to go through town planning. Mm. Is there anything else, Matthew, that people out there should know to talk to you about when it comes to the inclusions and, and, and not what's not included? Is there anything that stands out that's often maybe surprising to a, to a person? Yeah, I, I think if you have the initial meeting and sit down with the client at the start and, and if the builder's got a process in place where they've got everything covered, you should be able to go through and select everything accordingly. Uh, then, then the client knows exactly what they're getting, and then you can always price it around that. And then, if it if it's a little bit outside their budget, well, then you can go back and look at some you know different type of specs or different fittings or, or whatever accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But one thing that really is probably the biggest standout, I think, for what's not included would be the window furnishings. That's yeah. that's the one that generally. Yeah, yeah, I, I would yeah. say ninety-five percent of the chair. Mo- most of the time. Uh, window furnishings wouldn't be included yeah. in the contract. Wouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. Wouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. From our experience in the buildings type that we do, basically everything's included apart from the window furnishings. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the point is any good builder really should bring that list forward to you to discuss right in yeah. the beginning. 100%. Basically. Yeah. And they will be aware of these sorts of things. Correct. Yeah. That's good to know. What happens if we would want to uh, change the inclusions halfway through the build? Yeah, so in the in the building contract, the client would have to put through a variation request, and then the builder's got the opportunity. And this this needs to be done well prior to the you know to the change, and, and it could be a position too within within the build time where the, it's the opportunity's been missed. Uh, and, we, and that builder doesn't have the time to be able to um, provide that that price and, and perform that change because it's already within the sequence of the building program. Yep. However, in saying that, though, if they've given them enough time, the the client would provide um, a request for a variation. The builder would price it accordingly, and then the, the client would sign off on it and approve yeah. it. They, they can decline it or approve yeah. it, and uh, and then you know go ahead with the work. Yeah. So, for instance, if you know Sally's building a house and her friend's got a tinted mirror splashback and she thinks, oh, that looks good. Oh, can I change my glass splashback to my tinted mirror? Mm. <laughs> you know, is that going to be, um, you know, like that has to be done well in advance. Yeah, if, if I mean, obviously at least a good month before it needs to be, yeah. you know, installed. So the builder's got the so opportunity things, yeah. to, to to price it and, and discuss it with the supplier and, yeah. and so forth. Um, and change the order. Yeah. yeah. Look, there are some builders out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of them, that actually don't allow any changes throughout the process at yeah. all. And the, probably one of the reasons why is because they can build properties reasonably quick. Mm. You know, they can do them somewhere between four and six months. So to be able to do it within that time frame... Yeah. Um, you know, they don't have any changes or, or don't allow any changes because yeah. uh, there's no doubt about it, when you start changing throughout the process, uh, it can take a little bit of time. Yeah, and, 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 and not only that is too, that the builder's got an opportunity to um, allow for an extension of time under the contract as well. Yeah. 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 Yep. So you have to be aware that you may be delaying the when you get into the house at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it could be more expensive yeah. um, at the end of the day. and so, but, but sometimes yeah, what I say, and especially considering we're custom builders, is that 
you know, the, the change that you might make along the way um, is definitely going to be cheaper than if you were to do it down the track or retrofit it later. Yeah. Uh, so to, to, to pay that little bit extra more or um, have that little bit of an extension of the time in that contract um, yeah. is probably not going to make any difference down the track. Yeah, I think the biggest one generally would be PowerPoints. I think when mm. people, you know, get their standard sort of contract and they see that there's like maybe two PowerPoints in a room and you go, well... My TV is going to be in one corner, and you know my lamp's going to be in the other corner. When they finally start mm. thinking about, about actually it. how it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Mm. They so you know, throw you know four powerpoints in each room or whatever it is. Yeah, but that's what I'd be doing. Yeah. Myself, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. But then you look at the final bill, and then you oh, might have yeah. to come back. Yeah, you well, I've know. got four powerpoints in this little room. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, Mark from Seaford wants to know what would be the standard time from signing the contract to getting the certificate of occupancy? Yeah, so that's going to depend on um, the type of construction it is and what's involved. Yeah. So if it's just a single home, it might be somewhere in between six to eight months. Yeah. If it's a multi-unit side or townhouse development side or a duplex where there's a little bit more involved, it could be up to possibly a year. Yeah. So it really depends on... Um, you know the type of construction and what's involved. Yeah. So you'd hope you'd get be able to get it done within a year. Like that would be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If it starts going to four or five years, you uh, <laughs> you've got an issue. You've got a concern. Yeah. yeah. But it, it does happen. It does happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and that probably happens too. When I suppose you've you've got a buoyant building market with the builders that take on a, a lot. A lot of work, yeah. or too much work that they can handle for yeah. for their particular setup or um, mm. uh, or their processes, and uh, yeah, they just um, come into issues where they take too long to build. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, I, got, I know somebody who built. I think they bought three years ago, and they only moved in about six months ago. So it can mm. it can take time. Mm. You know, yeah. Well, currently at the moment, we've got a client that we did the the town planning work for. And uh, he, he actually asked us a number of years ago, he's got a current project that, um, that he asked us to quote it and we didn't have the, the time, at, uh, mm. available time at, at, the, at the time. But uh, his builder currently is in, in three years in building yeah. this project and this is a three townhouse development. Right. Yeah, mm. yeah blowing its costs right out of yeah. everything, I'm yeah. sure. And it, it yeah. doesn't just blow out the costs of building, it's the fact that you've got... Well, it's his hold, holding costs. That, that's holding probably costs. the biggest thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, his holding costs over the probably the two years extra mm. that it's been has been phenomenal. Eroding his profits. And then yeah. you've got a declining market where uh, the sales aren't where they were. So, yeah, um, yeah you've just got to be very wary of, of, of the builder and ensure that they can deliver mm. on time. Yeah, I mean, a good builder should be able to say no if they don't have the time basically that's what Co- it comes down to yeah. that's right yeah, yeah they've got to do the right thing by the yeah. yeah what's some uh, good advice to give people who want to build that can help the process of, of building a new home and you're welcome to have a whinge about what, <laughs> what what would make things easier for you you know Help your builder help yourself, basically. Yeah, I, I think if um, if clients have got a pretty good idea of what they're after and uh, they're, they're pretty um, set in in the, the type of development that they're after, it, that obviously helps us. Yeah. Uh, we can guide them along the way a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, so essentially okay. they've, they've got to have the vision, they've got to know what they want and they need to be able to describe that to you to make 
it happen. Yeah, and, what, and, and quite, quite often what we sort of say to our clients is bring in some some photos and some pictures of the type of look and the type yeah. of uh, facade you're after. Yeah. And uh, then we can help you design it around that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 So yeah, just be a little bit organised, basically. Don't yeah. don't put it on your builder to. Don't just say we want a house. Yeah. You make mm. it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you've given us some great advice there, Matthew. So we will take a small break and come back with some more of Matthew and Grant's fun facts. <laughs> So we're back here with Grant's Fun Facts. Go for it. Number one, if the total cost of your project is more than $10,000, the builder must use a major domestic building contract. So if you're doing a little renovation or something like that on your house... So is that $10,000 or is it $12,000 now? Is it... I've got a feeling it's changed recently. It might even be fifteen. You might want to just check that. Oh, it yeah. has. Yeah, maybe they haven't uploaded. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Just I think Frank's that, that was on just the, for what it's worth. Maybe just contact VBA. the VBA. Yeah, it wasn't there, wasn't it? It was on the VBA website, but that may be needing to be updated. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just check it. Yeah. There you go. So that's one to look up, guys. Okay. If the contract has been split into, <laughs> get the get the audience <laughs> looking up. <not> the <laughs> Oh, maybe I can come back to you on that one. <laughs> if the contract has been split up into several smaller amounts worth less than $10,000, for example, a pre-construction contract worth 4000 and the main contract's worth 7000 as the total price is more than 10000 or let's say it's actually 15000 now, if that is the case now, the builder must use a, dom- a major domestic building contract. That's what you just said so, again. No, so oh. the, the idea is you can't break down the contracts into smaller bits, into smaller bits mm. if it goes above that $10,000 or let's say it's $15,000 now. Yeah. If it goes above that figure, mm. you still need a domestic building contract. Uh, you have five business days after receiving a signed contract of the building contract to withdraw without penalty unless you sought legal advice on the contract before you signed it. So they've basically got a five-day cooling off cooling period. Cooling off period, correct, yeah. But there is, uh, under that, there is a small amount that the builder can take uh, just for some preliminary and, and um, items. So there is yeah. a few little yeah. things And, and generally that on that to. cooling off period uh, um, page, there'll be a, an amount there that uh, clients probably should just be aware of whatever that amount is. Yeah. But it's not very often that a client cools off on that after the process that they've if been got through. To that point, if you've got to that point, yeah. no, yeah. usually nothing changes within five days. Correct, yeah. 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 Fair enough. Unless somebody dies. <laughs> it would be remiss yeah. of me not to mention a building nightmare for some shits and giggles. In a quiet corner of Mount Waverley, gardens are neat, homes are tidy, and things seem to be as expected in suburbia, except for the giant hole that has opened up on a busy corner. A few years ago, work came to a dramatic stop on the basement car park of what was to be a 5.5 million medical centre and childcare facility. After large chunks uh, of the big hole... Walls collapsed right next to the townhouses that were right next to it, and I'll mm. I'll put a photo on our website to show you this particular case. Yeah. In cartoon-like fashion, as the hole grew, a portable toilet, fencing, and part of the backyard of one of the neighbouring homes, the townhouses, also tumbled into the void. Warning signs on the fence read: "Danger! Deep excavation." 
Mm. It was and one of the deepest bad situations. building practices. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll credit uh, Claire Kermode of the Age for that uh, particular story. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. So things well, can happen. Things can happen. <laughs> oh, we're going to do Sue's quick quiz. Okay, what's your favourite Melbourne beach? Definitely Seaford. Yeah. Uh, beautiful foreshore th- through there. Great walking tracks, untouched. Yeah. Best sand. Yeah. Definitely Seaford. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, what's better, Hoyts or Village? <laughs> <laughs> well, only because I saw him at Hoyts Village. <laughs> Hoyts, uh, uh, I, I would day. say Hoyts. I think the seats are a little bit better in there and they recline. <laughs> they recline. <laughs> and you can fall asleep. <laughs> gold class without going to gold class. Yeah. We love that. Okay, so who's your favourite auctioneer to watch? Um, probably the most interesting and um, uh, funny guy to see is Martin Hewitt. Okay, I haven't yeah. heard of him, but... Yeah, he freelances. I've, he's um, done uh, auctions for some of my clients in the past. He's an oh, absolute really? classic. Mm. Yeah. yeah, cool. Who's your favourite sports club? Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Not through the, and through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not the old... Uh, the poos and wees, Hawthorne. <laughs> Can't tell Grant's got a little toddler. Thing. He's going through toilet training right now. <laughs> um, uh, which band or musician did you last see live? Uh, last band we saw was Fleetwood Mac. Yeah? Uh, very entertaining. Yeah. One of the old bands that... All members can still play an instrument, sing. Yeah, I uh, went to that same concert. I think. Did you? Yeah. 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 And then prior, to that, or prior to that was the Eagles. So I'm showing my age. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it good actually. Yeah. Stephen Nicks was there. The, the lady. Stephen Nicks yeah. was there. Yeah. 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 The only member that wasn't there was Lindsay Buckingham. Yeah. 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 Bit of a rift. Yeah. Can't have a. A band without a rift, can you? That's right. <laughs> so they all operate. <laughs> What's Melbourne's best kept secret? Definitely the beaches of Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, some of the best beaches, I believe, in Australia. Mm. Yeah. 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 How old were you when you bought your first property? I was 20 when I first bought ah, my first property. A youngie. Mm. There you go. Nice yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. Okay, what's the best place for a good steak? Best place for a good steak, I would have to say the Cove in Patterson Lakes. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Mm. Cove. Good. They do a good steak. Yeah, yeah. great steak. So when you decide to venture out of town, what's the best country town in Victoria? I actually enjoy, there's a little place up uh, just outside Maui called Walhalla, last place in Victoria to get power. An old historic town. I think mm. there's only ten people that live there, but uh, yeah, yeah, great right. little town to go to. Go for some walks. Yeah, the, they have a have a. Um, they've got a historical mine there. Town. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's okay. an old gold historical town. Three thousand people, I believe, used to work and live there back in the day. Yeah, but, right. uh, Yeah, only ten people now. Mm. There you go. So, t- how how far away is that? It's about a couple about of an hours? hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's not too far away. Yeah. 
So, Matthew, do you have any special offers for our listeners? An offer that we've got out there now is uh, generally we'll charge for a, for a quote or uh, we'll charge to take them through that process. But uh, for your listeners, and uh, yeah, we'd love to, we'll, we'll make it free. So Just for one special listener, we'll have a Facebook competition mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, to allow them... So it's basically a like, share and comment... Uh, competition so and then we'll put the name into a hat or the names into a hat mm-hmm. and whoever is a lucky winner we will get them in touch with Matthew thank you sounds Great. good awesome sounds good okay alright thanks Matthew for your insights into building contracts again you've uh, helped many of our listeners know what they should be looking out for when it comes to uh, signing with a builder so thank you very much you're welcome thank you for having me on your program that's been yeah, been uh, great having you in and see yeah. next uh, week so next week we have the lovely Nicole Jacobs from Nicole Jacobs Property to talk to us about buyers advocates it's a great episode and we will be giving away one of her books sold to the one lucky listener stay tuned on our Facebook page for a chance to win. Good work. Real Estate Right is a real copyright and we shoot buildings production. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Audio Stock for sound effects and Premium Beat for our theme music. If you are wanting to get in touch with Matthew Phillips from Patterson Homes, call him on 9773-8922. That's 9773-8922. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe on your favourite podcast service. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right. Thank you.